0: This is That's in the That's
1: in the Bible, episode number 99 Quick Answers to Common Questions. Troublesome
0: times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Pilgrims
1: Christians away Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. Well, I guess you tuned in, so you probably figured it out by now, that on this podcast we take a look at, uh, well, interesting things that are pointed out in the Bible, that are brought up in the Bible, that maybe you haven't thought about before. And for today's episode... In particular, we're going to be looking at quick answers to common questions. So rather than doing just one complete show on one topic, we're going to cover a variety of topics and maybe some common questions, things that you might have thought about before and wondered about, well, does the Bible say anything about those things? So who are going to be answering those questions? Um, Well, not me, but I've assembled a a panel of experts here, folks, and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: what do you mean that's not you? Why are
3: you doing it? That is a joke.
1: <laughs> and we've got uh first on the uh, the list that's uh, called in here that is on our podcast is the venerable Stephen Bear, a pastor in Buffalo, New York. Uh Pastor Bear, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well, thanks Eric. Appreciate the uh the confidence there that you're showing in me as being able to give some answers, but I'm doing well, thank you. A lot
1: of of confidence, because I know that you'll be taking your answers from the Bible, and uh, the Bible (laughs) is always infallible, correct?
3: That's correct. I'm infallible. The Bible is fallible. All right, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm fallible the Bible. (laughs) There we go. go. See? See how that goes? Today we've got
1: Pope Bear Bear will be joining us today, (laughs) (laughs) speaking uh, ex-Cathedra from the Oh, yes. Uh, Well, and along with uh, Pastor Bear, we have Pastor Scott Strobel from Lockport, New York.
4: That's right. Who's rolling on the floor with laughter right now?
1: (laughs) 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 Well, Welcome. And also from the beautiful, sunny uh, Arctic, is a missionary to the... Native people in Point Hope, Alaska, Matthew Sutton.
2: Amen. Good to be here.
1: Will you also be speaking infallibly?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll leave that up to the poll. (laughs)
3: You guys are merciless.
1: I (laughs) know. Uh, Pastor Bear was saying before we uh, came um, on. it's been I' here for comic relief.: It's been a while It's been a while since we've uh, all joined together and, and done a podcast, so we're having fun. Uh, one of the things that, that we do uh, receive though, are uh, is mail. And um, if you'd like to send an email to us, you can do it at that's in the Bible at gmail.com. All one word, that's in the Bible at gmail.com. And, uh, we did get a letter and I usually forward these to the guys, but I didn't get a chance, but, uh, someone was commenting on episode number 85, Lord, really love not. I think Steve, I think you brought that one, didn't you? I did. And they said, uh, this episode has given me a new sense of love. You can only love sincerely and deeply if you know what not to love. Say no to worldly values, say yes to kingdom values. Now Matthew twenty two thirty-seven and John thirteen thirty-four makes more sense. Thank you. And hmm. if you have any comments on that, Pastor Bear?
3: Well, I think I'd probably have to look at that a little bit more closely and think on it. I, I'm thinking that he's not agreeing, at least initially, I think he's not agreeing with some of the things I I said there. I have to look up the references that he made. So probably save my uh, answer for another time right now but um, uh, any of you other guys have any thoughts on on what he saying maybe I am misrepresenting mis- uh, representing him
2: I actually missed what he said if you want I don't know if you want to read it again or
1: it says um, he's commenting on uh, episode number 85 Lord really love not which was the title of the episode. And they said, It has given me a new sense of love. You can only love sincerely and deeply if you know what not to love. Say no to worldly values. Say yes to kingdom values. Now Matthew 22, 37 and John 13, 34 makes more sense. Thank you.
4: It, it I sounded mean, like he got a blessing from it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe I did. misunderstood it then this is kind of opposite day for you, but judging by your intro anyway, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Um, so, yeah, amen. Um, you know, I think what he's probably talking about is thinking kingdom minded, you know, thinking what we're supposed to love, of course, is Jesus Christ fully. And then if we love Jesus Christ fully, then we'll know exactly what to love and what not to love. So, yes. you know, there are some things that we've talked about before that we're supposed to right. hate. Right. And, uh, you know, he hates the doctor, the Nicolaitans and, and, uh, a lying tongue. He hates all that kind of stuff. So, um, so if I'm inferring correctly, what he's trying to say, I think he is trying to say that he got a blessing and I maybe know. just trying to add to it.
1: Yeah, I, that's, kind of what i got guess. from it too so that was from our mailbag and if again if you'd like to um, send us an email or a phone call you can do that but uh here's a little bit more on that information
5: have a question or topic that you want covered, email us at that'sinthebible@gmail.com or leave a phone message at 716-584-1611. God bless.
1: And that was the That's in the Bible Quartet. We'd like to thank them for coming on the show again today. all right so we're coming up on episode 100 this being episode 99 we still have some t-shirts to give away you can email us at that's in the bible at gmail.com and let us know if you're interested for a free t-shirt and steve no you can't have more t-shirts that's not the way it works we have to give the listeners (laughs) a chance
3: never hurts to ask
1: <laughs> even when you don't <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have to play off of what you do i have no idea what you're going to say to me and
1: <laughs> oh so am i forgetting anything before we get into today's topics not that i can think of anything you guys wanted to say about where you're at and what's happening or should we move on
4: well, you know, I think we got lots to cover, so if you're ready, all right. I'd say fire away. So
1: we're going to Let's just uh, cover a variety of topics here, things that people have had questions. I think probably each one of us has fielded these questions before, and some of these we're going to talk about. Uh, we've done full-length shows on, and then we'll refer to those as well, but we're going to start today with talking about something that has gotten much more common in, in the last 20 years or so. Um I remember when I was a kid and we're good. What we're going to be asking about now are tattoos and piercings. I remember when I was younger, which was a long time ago, of course, um, that, you know, if you saw someone with a tattoo, they were either a sailor or a motorcycle gang person or, you know what I mean? It wasn't very common, but today it seems that uh, tattoos on men and even women are pretty common these days. And also piercings. I mean, there's some folks that have really. um, Let's see, what's the word? They they've taken self-expression to a new art with piercings and gauges and ears and nose and mouth and eyebrows and everything. Does the Bible say anything, uh, you know, about that? Is is? I mean, what's wrong with having a tattoo to, for self-expression or piercings with self-expression? Anything, uh, anything wrong with that, or is that something that's just fine? Or, I mean, it, uh, or does the Bible not even mention anything like that? Um, who'd like to start off?
4: I'll go ahead and weigh in, uh, just uh, first of all, the tattoos. When I think of this topic, you know, first of all, we're not talking, I mean, if you have a tattoo, we're not out to get you. You have to deal with that with uh, you and the Lord. I I do know that tattoos can be removed as well, um, although it could be an arduous process. But then again, so is getting one. I was um, doing a hospital visit one time, and this uh, girl was visiting the same person that I was visiting. We happened to be riding up in the elevator together. I never met her, but she had just come from getting a tattoo and was having second thoughts about it. She had a... Clear plastic covering over it. I guess it was on her leg or something, and you could just see blood coming out, and it's pretty gross looking. Um, but so it's 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 gonna be a painful process from what I what I gather. <clears throat> but as far as what the scripture says about it, what I always think about is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, and it says there, "Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord." Now, that's pretty plain and clear. The Lord, just, he directed them not to print any marks upon them. When I was a kid, we used to, in um, school, we'd we'd put uh, X's, you know, on our hand with markers or pens so that we couldn't get cooties. You know, somebody touched you. First, if you used to be, if you had your fingers crossed and you didn't get the cooties, well, it's hard to always have your fingers crossed. So we just put an X on us. Then we got pretty elaborate, you know, with X's with thick markers and outlining them and stuff like that. But but that's just, you know, adolescent ignorance. And it, this is what <clears throat> this is what the scripture says. And what I discern that's going on, as you have uh, mentioned, Eric, these things have gotten so prevalent in our day and age, as I think it is just as simply a, a preparation from the spirit of Antichrist. It's a preparation for when the Antichrist comes, because as we know, in Revelation 13, verse 16, it says, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. And the Lord said, and you're not to print any marks upon you, And he caused them to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. So it's just getting people used to uh, getting these marks on themselves. So I'm not saying tattoos are the mark of the beast. I'm saying that just handing your body over for somebody to do do whatever it is that you want them to do on it, um, it's just preparation. A Christian ought to remember this as well. Uh, He says, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. He says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God's. Our bodies are not our own. They belong to the Lord. We ought, we ought not be putting anything on our bodies or, or doing anything to our bodies or with our bodies that the Lord doesn't want us to do. So uh, I, I one, one other thing is, you know, another thing that's been preparing people to do it, it's, it's whether it's going into the prison like we have to, whether it is going into a, an amusement park or some venue, a lot of times they will uh, stamp you or put a mark on you, and, and invariably they seem always ask for your right hand, and um, they they put that on you so that at at the at the prison so it's uh, they can look at it when you come out. They put it under some sort of uh, black light so you can uh, uh, they can see that it's still there, so you're the same person that went in. But at the other venues, what it is for, it's so that, you know, if you go out, then you can have re-entry. Um, it shows that you have already paid for your ticket. But it just, all that stuff just gets people used to putting out their hand and getting a mark, putting out their hand and getting a, a mark on it. So don't don't expect much resistance from this world when the Antichrist comes and says, all right, stick out your hand or give me your forehead, you know, we get a mark ready. And now, by the way, again, this just, i not, not not that not that what I'm about to say is is wrong to do, but it's just preparation. It's the spirit that works. <laughs> now um, we've been getting used to going into places and um, putting our forehead forward so people can scan it. Mm, Interestingly that's true. enough, yeah, I <laughs> yep. mean, like temperature.
3: Yes, temperature. Yep, I just was They're in also a place doing that on the wrist too.
4: Yeah, I just was in a place today where they they did that. They had to do that to me, so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's uh, that's about tattoos and such. Certainly well, certainly me man. think.
3: There's
2: I'll
3: one, uh, go ahead, Matt. No, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say that, you know, ere somebody says something, you know, to the contrary and try to find a defense, there is uh, a group of people that receive a mark uh, in the book of Revelation, which are, are God's uh, uh, evangelists, if you will, found in... in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 14 in verse 9. Uh, it talks about, and the third angel followed and said, uh, uh, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast, uh, <clears throat> and his image and receive a mark on his forehead and so forth and so on. Uh, but the, I'm trying to think, is it verse 11? Um, nope, that's not it either. I think, um, anyway, it's the, what is it, 15? Fifteen. 15.2. And I saw another sign in heaven and the great marvelous uh, seven angels having the seven last plagues and they were filled with the wrath of God. And I saw uh, as it were the sea of glass mingled with fire in them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over the image, and over the mark of the number of his name and the sea and so forth. And so That's not the verse I'm looking for. Where is it? Uh, where the uh, uh, one hundred forty-four thousands are sealed with uh, a mark of God, and uh, it is a mark that is given by God, and uh, it is uh, prevents them from suffering from some of the uh, 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 judgments that God puts upon uh, the uh, people in the tribulation and so forth. And I thought I had that written down, and I evidently had it had the There's wrong mark.
2: Revelation? Revelation 7-3, saying, uh, Hurt not the earth, neither the seed nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. That's it.
3: Uh, yep, that, w- that would be it. So it's a mark that's put upon them and sealed them. And whether it's visible or invisible, I'm not sure. But at least it's something that God does himself, not something that we do to ourselves. So, uh, sorry for the confusion on that thing, but... Um, uh, there is a mark that's put on uh, the servants of God by God and, and just want to make the distinction that's done by God and not not by man or not by uh, yourself so, so you
1: you're not saying that that's a that's a reason to get a tattoo are you
3: No no I'm just saying that God does that and we shouldn't uh, uh, put any marks on ourselves for ourselves right. Gotcha That's I'm just making the distinction that God did that to them not somebody doing it for them or whatever, or some tattoo of pleasure or, or statement or, or anything along that line. Amen.
2: Amen. And and I've had, you know, I've had more than one or two people um, say that they're Christians. Now I believe at least one of them was not a Christian, but you know, they've made the argument and, and I'm sure that uh, many others have gotten the argument too, or will get the argument. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and I just want to share my faith with others and what better way to do it than to print, you know, a Bible verse on my arm or Jesus on my arm or, you know, something like that. And, and I would go back to what Pastor Trouble says, you know, right. in regards to First Corinthians 6, you know, 19, what know you not that your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And in regards to that, when you look back at the, uh, the actual Old Testament temple, uh, there was no writing, you know, on the outside in regards to verses or, or, you know, <laughs> any kind of, a animal or anything on the outside. And and so when you look at that, the only writings or anything like that of scripture would have been on the actual priest's clothing. So in Matthew 23, verse 5, you've got the phylacteries. And of course, at that time, they were doing it wrong and enlarging it to make themselves look like they're really holy with all the scripture that was written on their clothing. But what what I would say about that is the only thing God really says in regards to putting anything on yourself would be your clothing. So uh, if you if you turn to Numbers chapter 15, and in Numbers chapter 15 verse 37, not only did God tell the priests to do that, but then you have really even just the regular people uh, to remember God. So Numbers 15:37, and the Lord speak unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it, remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go whoring, that uh, ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. So, God never said, "Okay, I want you to print something on your flesh." He, he's the last command we got from him was right there in Leviticus 19 that we're not. But what we are supposed to do is put it on our, on our clothing. And uh, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get why, especially Christians, will make such a thing about it where God has said the total opposite. No, put it on your clothing, not on your flesh. And uh and we're not supposed to be naked either. I mean what what are we doing taking you know putting uh, Jesus on our chest or something, you know, or on a back and listen, put put your clothes back on and and uh put the put the verses and Jesus and all that stuff on your clothing and let them see it uh through your clothing. So um you know again we're supposed to be modest modest apparel and what better way to do it, uh, than to uh, put the verses on your clothing.
1: Amen. Okay. Well, let's go on to the next topic here. <clears throat> the next one is uh, abortion. Now I think, uh, you know, this topic has been debated for quite a while, uh, you know, over the, over the years since, uh, America has legalized abortion. Um, and I think the argument is that, you know what, um, women would say that, you know, come on, it's my body. Um, I'm not ready for a child right now. Um, isn't it better to abort the child than to bring it into a situation where, you know, the child really isn't wanted or going to be able to be taken care of properly? Um, and since, you know, I'm a woman and, you know, I I should be able to decide There, no man should be telling me what to do with my body. Uh, does the Bible say anything about the... the uh, abortion, the killing of, of a, uh, a child in the womb.
2: Well, <clears throat> I'll just, I'll just start, I'll just start real quick. Um, you know, we of course know, uh, Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not commit murder, all that. And, uh, you know, people will say, well, it's not a life in, you know, the mother's womb. It's not a life until, you know, they come out of the womb or even some people will get to the certain point, you know, in the third trimester, that's when it becomes a life. You know, the issue with all that is, uh, God, creates that baby in the womb from the moment of conception. So in Job chapter 31, verse 15, it says, did not he that made me in the womb make him and did not one fashion us in the womb? And in Job 33, 4, it says, the spirit of God hath made me and the breath of the almighty hath given me life. And so you've got this thing here where, you know, people say it's my body, my choice. Uh, I would say this, I would say, and, and I understand that there are circumstances where, you know, the, the mother might be uh, molested or raped or something like that. And, and you know, I know that's terrible. But the thing is that if God creates that human being inside of your body, it's no longer your choice. It's it's and it's no longer just your body. You have two bodies now. You've got the body that is inside of you, which is your baby. And uh, and so I would say, you know, I, and I know there's so many women that have had abortions that struggle with it the rest of their lives that choice that they made uh you know there's so many avenues out there you know you you could give the baby up for adoption um you can have um you know others watch the baby for you and 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 pay them to watch the baby for you while you're going to work whatever it is so there's just so many other other people say well i want to go to school and and get my career well there are so many programs out there now that many schools colleges now will will give you free uh, child care while you're going to college and things like that, so they've made it so accessible to be able to have a baby now um and and save that life rather than, than kill the life and and listen if you've you've had an abortion or something like that in, in no way am I condemning you or anything like that but uh but again it's the bible and uh from now on, we could just uh believe the bible and and uh say you know what we, we shouldn't do abortions
3: just a to- reedify, you know, if that's such a word. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter four and verse eleven, it "Says Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created." And it, obviously, you know, we are not created for our own use. We were actually created for God's use. And and unfortunately, you know, most people have the idea that it's their own body they can do what they want and uh, th- that's really not not the case I mean even in in Jeremiah chapter 18 the the, the very famous passage I'm the potter, you're the clay and uh, you know he can fashion that clay however he chooses so it's again you know his his choice and, and how he does things and and not our choice so really with that being said you know again, you know, the verse that's already been quoted a couple of times, you know, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, what? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, which is in you, which ye have of God. Ye are not your own. Uh, you're bought with a price. So, you know, we don't have really the final say-so in, in what we do with our body. And those that, that have this, this mistaken idea that they can just do what they want with their own, uh, with their own body is, is a mistake, and obviously, as Matt's already said, you know there's a, 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 a living being within that that uh, womb uh, that is uh, uh, has every right to live and uh, have the opportunity to live, and and again, abortion takes that life from from that individual. So, I mean, you could always talk about Jeremiah, you know, where the Lord knows. Uh, What does it say there in verse 4? It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So uh, that baby within the womb has identity, and God knows exactly who that baby is.
4: Amen. I think a lot of the abortion advocates, too, are incredibly hypocritical, um, they would be up in arms if, if you harmed a little itty bitty animal right. that was just born or young, or even if they, I, I could just imagine. What if they started aborting animals? Mm-hmm. I think these guys would just have a cow, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, as far as as you said, brother Steve, those that whatever's going on inside that womb. Ah, uh, it has life. I, yeah. They they try to dehumanizing it by by yep. using um, a, a word that to me just has a disgusting ring to it, uh, fetus, mm-hmm. and and that just dehumanizes the thing and makes you think it's just, it's a thing. It's not really a person or or a life. But something's alive there. Something's moving. Something's going on. And uh, Job, he was he was uh, in the early chapters of his book um, when he really started lamenting. He's Going through it, and he's asking basically, you know, why did I even live? Why was I even born? He says in Job 3:11, "Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up, or why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me, or why the breasts that I should suck? For now, should I have lain still and been quiet? I should have slept. Then had I been at rest. In other words, if I just died, you know, when I was born, or while I was still in the womb." And he goes on to say in verse 16, he says, or as an hidden untimely birth, I had not been as infants, which never saw light. And so he referred to them as infants. Should they have an untimely birth, you know, die in the womb and be stillborn. um, They were still referred to as infants. It's not like they're not infants right the second before they're born. And then they're only an infant, you know, right after they're born. I mean, there's there's something alive inside of there. There's no doubt about Amen. it. Amen.
3: Brother Scott, you know, just saying what you said from Job, you know, it sounds as if that would be the un- untimely birth or premature or whatever would almost be uh, uh, as we would just use the term abortion, but God ordained that abortion. So it's God's choice as to whether that child should be born or miscarried or, or something along that line. It's not the choice of the woman, but it's God's choice. Would you would you agree with that or do you have another thought on that?
4: Well, I mean there's so many factors that that can go into whether, you know, a a, a person a, a little baby can be delivered to term or not and I I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't think I would just blanketly say it's God's choice because sometimes the Lord allows things to happen right. without directly making them happen. But okay. I will, I will say that He can certainly intervene any time that He wants, right. and um, and there would be times when yes, for whatever reason, the Lord would would choose. Certainly, I don't think in every case it's just Him saying imposing Himself, but there would be cases for whatever reason when when God might allow that to happen, or even even as you say, choose for it to happen.
3: Well, it almost seems as though that's what Job was asking for when he's, he's saying, I'd rather not, I, you know, I wish I wasn't born to face the troubles that I'm facing now. And and that seems kind of like what he's asking, for, what he was asking for there.
4: Yeah. I mean, to the point, basically, I, I, I think, and, and tell me if this is the point you're making, basically people are trying to, to be God. <laughs> they're trying to yes. make choices that belong to God. And I, yes. and I agree with that, that they're yes. doing that and they shouldn't. Right.
1: Somebody once said that all those that are for abortion have already been born. I thought that was a Yep. Uh, yep. That was a good statement. All right, let's go to the next one. And the next one is the next topic is gambling or playing the lottery or going to a casino and you know what's wrong if I have some with it if I have some, you know, disposable income and I choose to I'm gonna go to the casino and see if I can strike it lucky and make a lot of money. And or, you know, when you play the lottery, doesn't that help to, um, you know, support education for the state? Doesn't that doesn't that money go to a good cause? So, you know, what's what's wrong with that? And hey, I might make a million bucks. Anything that well, does Bible talk anything about that at all? I mean, it possibly it certainly can't, can it? Because they didn't have gambling and lottery back then, right?
3: Well, uh, all forms of humans have some sort of a a gambling or takings of chance and games that they would play. A lot of times, people talk about casting lots as as a a form of gambling. You you, you remember reading about uh, those that uh, uh, the Roman soldiers that cast lots for Jesus' uh, uh, garments and so forth uh, there Mm -hmm. at the cross. And they try to associate that with with gambling, which in some sort of of, uh, uh, that particular uh, circumstance is true. But they did cast lots in the Old Testament, but it was to make a decision or make a determination. It wasn't uh, playing the odds as people would do with games of chance. There was really no chance with, with casting lots, and it's something that was done, for example, uh, in Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 8, I think this is the first mention of casting lots, and it's talking about the, um, the scapegoat, and Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats for one lot for the Lord and for the other lot for the scapegoat and so they had two goats there and they cast a lot or a determination or God would make a determination which goat was to be sacrificed and the other that was to be let loose out in the wilderness Uh, several times throughout the Bible there are are lots cast uh, I think one of the times that you find would be found in Joshua chapter 18 when they're dividing up the land and uh they cast lots for the parcels of of the land that was to be divided up amongst the twelve tribes of Israel, and so they cast lots and it wasn't so much as as well, you just take your chance and you get whatever we give you. it was God determining who should uh, who should be um uh, receive what, what plot of ground and so forth. So it's not, I don't find anywhere in the Bible other than a bad connotation where they were, were making a decision or taking a game of chance and, and, and uh, using that as a, ju- uh, a means by which to entertain themselves and so forth. So uh, uh, anything that's, that's of chance trying to remember, there's a verse somewhere, and I, maybe one of you guys can remember what it is, uh, where the Lord uh, takes responsibility of these of these decisions and so forth. Sorry, I don't have that right off the top of my head. Uh, but that game of chance is forbidden, I believe, and uh, the uh, casting of lots where God makes a decision uh, is, uh, is of the Lord. So I'll leave it yeah, with
4: that. that. That's Proverbs 16:33, I think, is what you're referring to. The lot I, yes. is cast into the lap. Yes. That's The whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. That's
3: that's the one. That's the one. Thanks.
4: Yeah. Let me um, add to that. Proverbs 13:11. Very, very good verse to to deal with this subject. It's just a lot of it is just motive. But he says this. He says, "Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor." shall increase uh-huh. and and really it's it's to to gain money by winning the lottery it's it's vanity you're you're not doing anything to to gain it to earn it and gambling the, the same type of a thing and of course it has been well documented that uh what the, what has happened in the lives of a lot of the people that have won the lottery you know maybe there's some that know how to handle it but but so many of them their lives just get destroyed they get ruined they indulge themselves and uh, the money becomes just a, a burden and all-consuming. And the, 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 what, the way the Lord has set it up for us to get rich, if we're going to get any riches, or to gather, is, is by labor, to work for it. But uh, the vain ways of getting wealth, whether it's winning the lottery, getting going to the casino, or doing some other get-rich-quick scheme, it's just... Like you said, that's going to be diminished. It just doesn't tend to work that way. And when it comes to going to the casino, just remember the rule of the casino. The house always
1: wins. (laughs) (laughs) You may
4: have, you may have won somebody come out there with a lot of money, but the house always wins. You won't, you don't tend to keep coming back and and beating the house. And, um, they, they get rich themselves, um, through that vanity, and and uh, by the way, it's just not going to last. You just read uh, what is it, Luke chapter twelve, where the rich man says, "I got many goods laid up for many years. I'm going to build bigger barns." And the Lord said, "Thou fool! This night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall those things be?"
2: Yep. I've heard the argument too. Actually, somebody <clears throat> here in the village, um, I think it was less than a year ago, was making the statement. That, uh, one of their loved ones, cause you can gamble now, to, I think it depends on which state maybe, but you can gamble online now they don't even have, you don't even have to go to the casino or anything like that That's and right. you can gamble, um, especially doing, um, um, why am I forgetting the, the card game, <laughs> but, uh, Blackjack? um, no, where you go against other people. Poker, uh, poker. Texas poker, Texas yeah, poker, yeah, poker, yeah. And uh, so they were playing poker. Their loved one was playing poker. And they said, well, look, you know, m- my mother just won $2,000 in one shot, you know. And, well, if I did that, you know, I could I could get that money and at least tithe or give more of that money to the Lord and things like that. But the argument that, y- that you have to make in regards to that is think about— who you're taking that money from, right? It's not like that money is just appearing out of nowhere. That could be somebody that is um, and this happens very often where people lose their houses, they don't pay their house payments. they don't, you know, they pay all their money for the groceries for that month, for their family, and uh, and they just go off the deep end because they lose that money to you. And I think a great verse for that is uh, Proverbs chapter one, verse nineteen, which says, So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. And, you know, people say, well, that's just murder. Well, who? I mean, who knows if you've had a part in that whole family being destroyed and and possibly somebody committing suicide or or who knows what, because uh, you took that last, you know, a thousand dollars from them, from that hand of poker or whatever, and their family is destroyed now. And, Listen, uh, us as Christians should have no part of that, you know. Uh, and and that goes also for you know if you go to the gamble houses, you know, you go to the to those places and they, um, uh, the the casinos, and and they have those slot machines. You say, well, I'm just taking it from this place, you know. Well, you're adding into the pot there that people will keep going and, and giving their lives away and their families' lives away because they've got a you know it becomes addicting and they can't stop. Uh, listen, if we all stop going, and not that I'm saying I'm going, I know my father in law Steve goes, but <laughs> 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 but if we if everybody just stopped going, they would have to close up shop, right? I mean and so when you just say, Well I'm just gonna go and do the slot machine and maybe get rich, you know, there's nothing no harm in that you're just adding to you know them having the doors open longer to destroy other people's lives so as pastor trouble said i'll just quote these two verses real quick you know the way a christian is supposed to make money is by the sweat of their brow right um genesis chapter three and uh, verse 19 you know of uh, in the sweat of thy face thou shalt uh shalt thou eat bread and uh And I understand that some people have a job that you're not sweating, you know, sitting at a desk or something like that. But, you know, that's that's uh, making money the right way in regards to, you know, working. And uh, and then, of course, you've got uh, Second Thessalonians 310 for even when we were uh, we were with you this, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And uh, don't tell me as a Christian that you're working gambling. (laughs) That's your job. Uh, when God says that you could take away people's lives that way, that's it's not a good thing.
4: Well, I, I just want to praise the Lord. I got saved when I was eighteen years old. Because if if it had been a few years later, or if I had made it to twenty one without being saved, I I probably would have gone. I'd, I'd have headed where I could go to gamble. It was it it is as Matt is suggesting in there. What he's saying is, some for some people, gambling is really addictive. I think where most most people, when they get in, some people can do it and then step away, but but there's those that just get sucked in. You yeah, have right. Alcoholics Anonymous, you have um, AA, NA, Narcotics Anonymous, and there's a Gambler's Anonymous as well, yep. because it is a, a an addictive thing. And I was doing it in high school. I mean, we were in high school, freshman, sophomore year, um, we we'd have breaks between classes. We'd be gambling at lunch. We'd be gambling. We do, we do flipping coins, odds or evens, you know, calling it, whoever gets it right. If you get it right, you win it. If you don't, you lose it. We were playing blackjack in, in sometimes in class. We'd, we'd have our cards just confiscated when teachers caught us. We had poker dice that we used and I'm going to tell you, it just, it really sucked me in. Not only that now, What's coming uh, up? We're doing. The, people have been doing this for years, but we do uh, football pools right. um, every week, and 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 be in that. And what's happening now in the country is this uh, sports betting stuff. Yep. And I'm telling you, these guys, they're they're going to be making money hands over fist because more people are going to lose than win. Right. And what happens to a lot of the winners is, you know, they tend to go and then just. Gamble more. Uh, I, I've been in line to see people. Uh, you know, they buy scratch scratchers, lottery tickets, and they scratch it off, and they they win a dollar. Typically, what they do, they buy another one with it and lose. Yep, yep. One time, I saw an exception to that. I had a guy in front of me. Um, he was a worker at the store. Bought it, won it. Uh, and it was like a dollar or something, which is the price of another one. And and so the lady says, "Did you want? Did you want to just have another ticket?" And he said, "Nope." That's the first time I ever won anything in my life. And he walked away with it. <laughs> 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 but but there's, just, there's something that draws you. And, I, and I've said yeah. this. I'll say it here. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast. But when it comes to sin, all sin has addictive properties. Absolutely. It keeps you coming back for more. And, yeah. and gambling can really suck a person in uh, to the point of, of no return.
3: Amen. Well you see the lines when the, when the when the New York State Lottery gets, you know, way up there in the in the millions and millions and millions of dollars that there are just lines of people that are trying to make their fortune and and you've already alluded and already said that plainly that that uh, we're not supposed to to earn it that way but but it it is just this idea that that I believe the devil puts in their mind that if I could just do this, if I could just get this, if I could just and there are people that are sacrificing, you know, food for their kids, and, and uh, I think Matt even alluded to that as well, that they're they're causing their household to be poor. I mean, you know, people getting in, in trouble with mobs and and things along that line, that uh, get themselves in real deep trouble, uh, going beyond their means, and uh, all for a chance, and that's all it is is a chance. There's no guarantee. I mean, I know there's some people that are good at playing the games and so forth and reading the minds and all that, but they're very slim, like someone's already said. And uh, God's never wanted us to extend ourselves beyond faith and trust in Him uh, to, instead of having faith and trust in the world and its systems and its uh, riches. So we're supposed to have faith and trust in him. Go ahead.
4: I was going to say, I, if, we, if all the Christians that played the lottery or gambled, and whatever, if they took that money instead and invested it in missions, mm-hmm. they would get a payoff at the judgment seat of Christ that would make any potential gambling winnings they could have gained on this earth pale in comparison. Amen. And um, you talked about that lottery. I, I was back home several years ago. When when all the buzz was this big national one of these, I don't know what they're called, some mega millions, big powerball or whatever that was national with with many, many states that that participate in it. Um, it was up to some exorbitant amount. I mean, I, it was close to, to billionaire status, if, if not. And um, I'm going to tell you, I, I felt that draw as I heard about it on the news. I felt that draw just to go out and buy a ticket. And I thought this thing through. Let's suppose I got a ticket. And then let's suppose I won. First of all, how am I going to explain that as a pastor? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh, sure. You'll tithe. Whatever. But but here's what I thought about. What if I did win? Everybody that heard, everybody that knows me, all I would do would embolden them to go out. And Matt was kind of alluding this before. But that would just embolden them to go out and spend money trying to get their own piece of the right. pie. And some of them would end up going poor doing it. Right. Yep. And um, so I, I summarily dismissed that idea. Thank God.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Well, that covers uh, gambling and lottery. Um, let's move on to another topic here. Uh, this topic is living together instead of getting married right away. So the argument goes like this. Well, you know what? Let's get together and live together. Make sure we're compatible. You know, the divorce rates are already skyrocketing through the roof. With um, what is it, fifty percent now, maybe higher? That um, one out of two marriages end in divorce. Isn't it better, and isn't it more logical for us to you know live together for you know a number of years and and see if in fact we are compatible, versus just you know rushing into marriage. And uh, isn't isn't the whole marriage thing antiquated and an old kind of an idea now anyway when you can just live together and and uh, not have to be legally bound like that and uh, just doesn't that make more sense? Does the Bible say anything about anything wrong with just living together instead of, you know, getting married right away?
4: I'm going to I'm going to quote two verses and then let somebody else talk, okay? So Regarding marriage being old-fashioned, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge.
2: Mm-hmm. Amen. And I'll just add to that too, you know, you've got, uh, which goes along right with that is First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, talking about fornication. And, and I understand that some people say, well, just, you know, nowadays it's just a lot cheaper for us to consolidate and get one house or one apartment, even though we're not married yet. Ah, uh, things like that. Um, but, but again, the issue is is that um, you know how how hard is it to live together as a as a man and a woman and not be in the same bed and all that. And uh, so, um, most of the time, if somebody's going to be living with each other, you know, you're not going to keep your hands off each other. And uh, in First Corinthians chapter seven verse one, it says, "Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman." Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. And I'll just give one more verse in First uh, Timothy chapter 5, um, and it says right here, so I would say in regards to that, I mean, listen, if you got not to be rash or anything, but if you have your hands on each other, then either get married or get away from each other, and uh, and then in First Timothy chapter five, this is the order that God has, uh, and if you get this order out of order, <laughs> uh, then you have uh, you're given an occasion. Uh, to speak reproachfully for others to speak reproachfully, and also to be turned aside to Satan. In First uh, Timothy chapter five, verse fourteen, it says, "I will therefore that the younger women marry." That's that's the very first thing in regards to the whole thing. Not not move into the household together, but to marry, bear children. Not not first bear children then marry, but it says, "Marry, bear children, then guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully." So if you get that out of order, um, and you don't marry first. Then you're going to give an occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, which is which means shamefully. You know, people will be able to shame you know not only you, uh, if you say you're a Christian, but also uh, the name of Christ. You know, and and then in verse 15, for some are already turned aside after Satan. So God talks about that whole thing about uh, you know that's that's not from God to just move into each, with each other, but uh, that's that's turning aside after Satan.
3: Well, let me uh, let me add just a couple of verses, and and uh, you know maybe we can talk about a little bit more because there's probably more in context to fornication than just the sexual sexual aspect of it. But first of all, let me give you First, uh, first Corinthians chapter five and verse one. It says, "It is reported commonly uh, that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much." as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And and uh, obviously that's horrible stuff, but that's going on within the church, and Paul rebuked it uh, vigorously. In fact, uh, gave uh, such a decree that in verse 5 he says, to deliver such an one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, not the spirit, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And Paul judged that thing really harshly. And uh, that kind of even fornication wasn't even mentioned among the Gentiles, and the Gentiles obviously were were doing the things that have already been mentioned uh, there. You know, uh, the Brother Paul, or Brother Paul. Ah, oh, man, my mind is elsewhere today. Brother Scott and Brother Matt have already mentioned uh, it. It's just this idea that that you could uh, do whatever you want, and your body is not yours. Uh, we go back to First Corinthians chapter six, but let me start a little bit before that and uh, start in verse fifteen. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall then uh, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. For uh, know ye not that which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth without the body, he doeth without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, ye are not your own. Therefore, you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, really, fornication is forbidden by, for anyone, whether lost or saved, but especially for those that are saved. And the idea that to give it a trial, give it a go, see if it's going to work, God says that's forbidden. One more verse, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, pick it up in verse 1, it says, Furthermore, then uh, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that ye uh, have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one uh, of you should know how to possess his own vessel, which is talking about your body, in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God." Uh, and so the command is clear, especially for a Christian that we're not supposed to uh, give ourselves over to fornication so shacking up and living with somebody uh, before they're married is is not of God and I, you know you can make all the justifications you want you can use all the world's logic you may want but it doesn't counteract the Word of God and what it says and and the and how it prohibits that kind of lifestyle now, for someone that may just try to nitpick here, fornication, if you want to boil it down, is any sexual activity outside of marriage. Adultery is, is sexual activity where either one or both are in a marriage relationship. And all of those are, are condemned by the Lord. So much so that Jesus Christ in, in the Sermon of the Mount says if you look upon a woman to lust after her in your own heart, you've committed adultery with her already. And uh, that even is forbidden. So uh, we are supposed to, as Christians, are supposed to have our minds in check and our thoughts in check and our heart in check to where even when it begins to stray, which all of us face those temptations, we're supposed to... Uh, uh, have that thought captive and and not allow it to germinate and to, to fomate within us to where we go off and, and cast our imagination on that thing, or even go further than that and act upon it. And uh, all of those things are forbidden by God, and, and we're not supposed to engage in those, no matter what kind of justification you might try to bring upon it.
1: Amen. I think that uh, covers that topic well, and we're going to end today with this last topic. Uh, this is topic number five, and it's drinking alcohol. Now, the argument goes like this. Well, everybody knows that Jesus turned the uh, the water into wine, so obviously he was okay with drinking at weddings. And, you know, as long as you're drinking in moderation, you know, we're not talking about getting drunk or you know, out of control. But if you drink in moderation, as Jesus suggested when he turned the water into wine, uh, certainly there you can't find any fault with, with uh, you know, drinking. And I know that in Italy they have a little wine with their dinners, and the children do. And, and um, you know, aren't you grasping at straws if you try and say that drinking a little wine is bad? Um, you know, doesn't the Catholic Church have wine at their masses? And, so you know, certainly the Bible doesn't say anything negative about drinking wine or drinking alcohol.
2: Well, I'll just say, I'll just chime in real quick. You know, if if Jesus Christ turned that water into fermented wine, they had a huge kegger going on because that was a lot of that was a lot of uh, alcohol there. And uh, I, you know, I just try and picture it. Okay, here is Jesus Christ. He makes all this alcohol for all these people at this wedding and uh and can you just imagine people stumbling around and everything and and so here is Jesus Christ perfect pure holy righteous uh, uh you know second corinthians 5:21 says for he god hath made him jesus christ to be sin for us who knew no sin and so the bottom line is if if he made that fermented wine and gave it to his neighbors that he was living amongst at that time uh he would have been sitting because habakkuk chapter 2 verse 15 um, says, well, one to him that giveth his neighbor drink and uh, I'll just go over a few verses. I remember when I was working as an x-ray tech and, um, actually this, uh, this good friend of mine, uh, he's actually going to Penn uh, Pensacola Bible Institute right now, um, that I used to work with. And just such a blessing. He's a a real blessing. His whole family's a blessing. And he was just being honest. He said he came in one day. um, It was the start of the morning. And he just said, listen, you know, I've got these friends. They they say they're Christians and, uh, you know, they don't think there's anything wrong with going to the bar and, uh, you know, having a drink of uh, beer, you know, a, a glass of beer and talking about the Lord over that beer. And so I didn't even say anything to him other than I'll just give I'll just give you 10 verses from the Bible. I'll write them on a piece of paper. You go home tonight, you look them up and then you come in tomorrow morning and you let me know. I'm not even going to say anything to you. You let me know, according to those verses, if you believe that God would be for that or not. And so I gave them you know, about 10 verses. He went home, he came in the next morning. The first thing he said to me is, nope, it's not right. (laughs) And, uh, and that's just, you know, that's the bottom line is you you go over these verses, like, um, Proverbs chapter 20 verse one says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Um, Proverbs chapter 23 verses 29 to 35, um goes like this: Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? And it even says, Look not thou upon the wine, and you're not even supposed to look upon it when it move itself all right in the in the in the cup there. And uh, drunkenness leads to poverty. Pro, uh, poverty. Uh, Proverbs chapter twenty three verses twenty to twenty one. Um, uh, it perverts judgment. Proverbs chapter thirty one verses four to five. Um, and then again, it, it's not for kings to drink wine. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 4 to 5. And if you go to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 to 6, we're kings and priests unto God. And the Old Testament priests weren't even supposed to have uh, wine either. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 9. So it's, as a Christian, as kings and priests unto God, spiritual kings and priests right now, um, we're not supposed to partake in any kind of fermented alcohol or anything like that. And, and I'm sure the the other guys will... Mention, you know, I'm not going to presume what they're going to do, but I'm sure they'll show that what Jesus Christ gave was not fermented wine and all that. But just from those verses, um, and that's not, of course, all of them, but uh, just from those verses, it should be pretty easily um, knowledgeable anyway from the Bible that God's against any kind of fermented alcohol. Can I,
1: can I jump in for a minute, Matt? Just to play the—I uh, don't want to say the other word, but sure. ju- just to uh, <laughs> just just to uh, play the other side. Yeah, play the other side for a minute. So somebody would say yeah. and look at that and they would say, "Oh, come on, man. Nobody's Are you saying it's grape juice? Nobody's giving out grape juice at weddings. You know, that it's it's has to be wine. It, it doesn't make any sense. We're we're going to bring out the grape juice now and everybody's going to drink it."
2: But well, connect. S- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead.
4: Well, I, I, I I, I was going to chime in if I, I, this is right where I was going to go. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just, no, I'll, not at all. Okay. So let me give you from Luke chapter five, verse 39. And you need been talking about uh, the subject there, but, but verse 39, the Lord Jesus said, no man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new for he saith the old is better. So first off you have two different kinds of wine. You have old wine and you have new wine. So the Lord was summing it up by telling you, you know, if a guy's been drinking old wine, he's not gonna want grape juice. He's not gonna want new wine. So so there's a distinction. Let, let, me, let me just establish what the distinction is. New wine is the grape juice. Uh, two two verses about that. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in in the cluster so when you have a cluster of grapes the juice that is inside of them is the new wine proverbs 3:10 says so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine what comes out of that wine press is new wine it hasn't been, it's not old it's still fresh it hasn't laid around and and been processed and fermented Now, when it has become fermented, then it's the old wine. And a person that's drunk old wine doesn't straightway desire new because he says the old is better. I mean, if you have somebody that's been drinking alcohol and getting a buzz off of it, and um, you're going to go out and and have a a night out, and you want to offer them grape juice instead, they're not going to want that because they're going to say the old is better. That's the way it is. That's how they they look at it. (laughs) When I was a kid, they used to have this um, song— about um, basically, I guess it was like uh, the bums that were drinking and so forth. And, and the big wine when I was a kid was uh, Mogan David. And somebody said in that song, they said, if, if there's you know ain't no Mogan David in heaven or wine in heaven, I think they said Mogan David, if there's no Mogan David in heaven, then who the blank wants to go? That's somebody that's been drinking old wine and can't imagine uh, thinking the new wine is better. So look, some of us have been on both sides of that equation where, where we felt exactly that way. Now I'm on the other side and, um, I'm gonna tell you what, uh, the new wine is better, you just have to, you gotta, you get saved, you get a new set of taste buds. Plus you get cleaned out and dried out. You know, you can't understand it when you're a kid, You, you know, the weddings, when I were a kid, there were Roman Catholic weddings and everybody got sloshed. First time I got drunk was at a Roman Catholic wedding. That's what they do. I mean, they they will read. I was at a Roman Catholic wedding where the scripture reading was Jesus turning the water into wine, with no exposition or explanation, just so that everybody would feel good about going to the ser- to the reception after the service and getting drunk. And we'd all feel like this is this is what Jesus did. He gave them he gave them um, you know more wine so they could drink afterwards and and get drunk. And so just because our little unregenerated brains or old man cannot understand that somebody would actually want grape juice. That's just because you've been jaded. This is how we've grown up to think, but, um, the Lord, he's pure. I used to work at a a restaurant. The first job, you know, real job where I'd go into a work was at a restaurant. I was about 16 years old, 15 years old, somewhere in there. And, um, they would host, uh, Banquets or parties, in, in the in the back uh, banqueting rooms, and uh, and you know typically uh, you know everybody would all be drinking, getting drunk, and one day they're going to host uh, every, all the servers, and I, I would sometimes help as a busboy, I would help you know assist somebody that was doing a party, and um, the one that had it, they all the all, all the servers, the waiters and waitresses, they were all making fun of this one party they're going to have because it was a, a bunch of Baptists. And they don't drink, and they and none of them could understand that. <laughs> I don't guess I don't guess I could understand it back then today, the but I understand it now. It's good to be saved. Amen. 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 Well, let me let me
3: chime in and uh, play the the advocate here, or at least say what the advocates would would say. And I think this is kind of where Eric was leading. Ah, uh, there are some that will try to use the Bible as an excuse to go ahead and and uh, drink the fermented stuff, the old stuff, as Pastor Strobel's already already mentioned. And one of those places is found there in Proverbs 31, where where Matt was uh, beginning to read, and it says there the words of King Lamiel, the prophecy that his mother taught him, what my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. Give not thy strength unto women nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings it is not for kings O Lamiel, it is not for kings to drink wine nor princes uh, f- nor for princes strong drink which is the admonition lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of, uh, uh, of any of the afflicted. And those are reasons why they shouldn't drink, because it inhibits their, their thought process and so forth. But it goes on to say, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. Now, Right now, you might say, well, well how, how about that? I've got all kinds of troubles. I've got all kinds of problems, and, and it's justifying the drink. Uh, actually, it's, it's more in the sense of a medication as it is a, a freedom to go out and drink alcohol and just get yourself sloshed all the time. The New Testament, it gives a couple of uh, occasions where it may seem like it's a justification. And found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. So, not given to much wine, that must mean that they have the opportunity to drink some wine, right? Titus chapter 2 and verse 3, The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, Not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now, as we've already indicated back in Proverbs, it is for medicinal purposes. It's for somebody that's ready to die. It's like um, someone that's in a lot of pain, they're ready to die, and what do they do? They they give somebody some morphine to Mm -hmm. deaden the pain and allows Mm -hmm. them to die in a peaceful manner. Uh, you have uh, some doctors, which I think they overprescribe too much, but they give uh, a sedative or they give some uh, medication for people that are depressed so that they uh, don't get so despondent that they want to kill themselves. And that's someone that is, uh, uh, you know, that's of a heavy heart and so forth. And those are justifiable reasons, and Bi- the Bible gives a leeway for that. But in the context of those things in the New Testament, they fail to read what, what Timothy or what Paul gives to Timothy. He says, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. So it confirms that what Paul is telling him is is to use this wine for his stomach's sake. Now, the problem where it comes back and says not given to much wine is that there are uh, habit-forming, if you will, uh, properties to wine and to even medications that we have today. The painkillers that they've been putting out, such as oxycodone and, and hydroxycodone or whatever all of those things are, I don't even know the names. So I've just jumped at it and guessed at it. But anyway, those are highly addictive things. They accomplish what they're supposed to do and deaden the pain. But they have high, highly addictive properties. And so what Paul is telling these deacons and these aged women is to use moderation in these things if you have ailments because they have an addictive property. And so, you know... People will take these verses out of context and use them as justification for the very thing that that they were intended for and abuse it. The thing that I get upset with is that, you know, growing up, and I'm sure anyone that's around my age can remember these commercials. The funniest commercials on TV were the beer commercials. And they get you to laugh, and, and it lowered your defenses down to what the alcohol really does. They try to show you that it's refreshing, it's cool, it's a party time, it's the good life, it's the high life, but they don't tell you the other side. And people that get engaged with with uh, uh, alcoholic beverages, whether it's strong drink or whether it's a strong wine or whatever it is, they don't show people that are uh, sick and, and lying down in a pool of their own vomit. Uh, it doesn't show the people that, that end up where they don't even know where they are. Uh, they can't account for their actions after they've been drinking. It lowers their ambitions to do horrible things. Uh, they commit acts of violence. I remember, I remember being in the service and, and going to the NCO club and uh, having some drinks and stuff like that. And one of my buddies that I knew real well is a good guy. He came over and had me in a headlock and was talking about taking me out and wanting to kill me. And, uh, you know, I was able to kind of talk myself out of it, you know, and kind of squirm myself away from the guy. But I talked to him the next day. He didn't even know what he was doing. And he was talking, you know, it was the alcohol that was talking. Uh, It doesn't talk about, um, you know, the one-night stands that happened because of alcohol. Doesn't talk about the death of diseases from like liver disease and Mm. all the DTs and the memory loss that comes from drinking. Doesn't talk about the drunk driving that happens where you either hurt yourself or hurt somebody else or you might even Mm. kill somebody. It doesn't talk about creating the habit so strong that you lose everything. People have wasted their fame and fortune. I've been down at City Mission and other places where, where I've dealt one-on-one with people that have just wasted. I mean, there they were uh, lawyers and, and, and other people of, of uh, high uh, incomes that lost everything because they were drunk and, and uh, wanted to maintain the drunk. Uh, They lose their dignity, they lose their money, their life savings, they lose their possession, they lose their jobs, they lose their family. Uh, And all of these things happen because of the addictive nature of that. And for anybody that says they can handle it, they're the the first ones that fool themselves. And they're giving themselves in and over to something that will control them and they will not be able to control it. Uh, Dr. Ruckman used to have a saying, that it was a Japanese saying, it says, uh, man take drink, drink take drink, drink take man. Yep. And that's the end result of uh, the alcohol in a person. You can, you can put that to narcotics, you can put that to any number of things. You can even make that go even to mm-hmm. uh, uh, gambling and all the other things that we were talking about before because there's addictive nature to that. And people want to justify drinking as being okay and social and people thinking that they can handle it. And uh, you may be able to handle it, but there are a ton others behind you that, that can't. And uh, you maybe have some in your own family that see your example, and they'll be the ones that won't be able to handle it. Amen. So.
4: Amen. Uh, I want to add to the um, Proverbs 31, uh, 6 reference again. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. And um, as Brother Steve well pointed out, that has to do with, with medicinal reasonings. And they didn't have the vast medicinal options that we do today. Right. And that was that's what they used. They used the, the alcohol would be able to be used for that. But it should be pointed out and noticed that it doesn't say take strong drink if you're in that condition. It says, give strong drink unto yes. him that is ready to perish. Amen. This should only be properly prescribed by somebody yep. that's in a position to do so and and can diagnose you as such. But uh, what happens a lot of people, they make the excuse and they, they just become self-medicating. And, and yep. folks know the dangers of that, or at least— some people do. Sober people seem to know the the, the dangers of that. But um, I, I've had that brought to me by a young Christian man who wanted to excuse his need, as he saw it, for, for drinking. But, he, but nobody prescribed it for him. And, right. and again, he was just simply self-medicating. Additionally, the end of that says, unwind unto those that be of heavy hearts. And uh, let me say this about him that is ready to perish. Hey, if you're a Christian, you know what? You're not, you're not ready to perish, even if you're dying. I mean, they, I, somebody still can give you the medicine when you're dying. But the fact is, we've been born again, and Christ died so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right. So, so at any rate, but the, depre- the, the uh, heavy hearts, that's like folks dealing with depression, mental illness, and, and they're troubled inside. And sometimes they are prescribed medication. Even though we know that's not the, usually the best answer, sometimes people need it. Um, you know, and I, I have found people that, you know, they stay on their meds, you can deal with them. They stay off their meds. If you've ever dealt with bipolar people, I mean, they are the most difficult, some of the most difficult people to, to, to get through to because I, when they're off the meds or whatever, or they just, they're stuck, they are stuck in a loop. I mean, I have counseled for over an hour at times with, with them and um, you think you're getting somewhere, and then and then you get to the end of that hour, and then man, they start right in where they started at the beginning, and they just Amen. go right back. It's like you didn't say anything. They don't get it. Amen. And um, so that that's what's going on. It's it's for somebody that's in a position to be able to diagnose and properly prescribe, and uh, and that's what they're doing back then. Proverbs thirty-one six.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, I, I thought it was an interesting show today. We covered five topics in a little over an hour. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again soon. Amen. And uh, we'll wrap up in just a minute. But remember, our next episode, episode 100, is the 100th episode. And if you'd still like to be in the drawing for a T-shirt, that's in the Bible at com.
5: 100, 100, 100, 100, that's in the Bible.com is celebrating their 100th episode with this amazing intro jingle. Bringing you great Bible podcasts since 2009. 100.
1: Can you believe that many of the things that you've been saying every day for years are straight out of the Bible? That's right. People throughout the world are quoting the Bible every day and don't even know it. Expressions such as a little birdie told me, by the skin of my teeth, jump for joy, and many many more are straight out of the Bible. Find out how much Bible the world is speaking by listening to episode number 70 titled that's in the Bible only on that's in the Bible.com. I had to play that one again because mm-hmm. I feel so happy listening to that It just <laughs>
3: you do you do that so well Eric you are a really good professional at this I really must commend
1: you very kind what's the what's the other shoe gonna do
3: well uh, you know <laughs> You'll wait and find
1: yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that. Well. Amen. Thanks again, guys, for another episode. Uh, next time, Amen. episode 100, and we'll cover some more topics. Um, and again, send us in a, uh, a topic that maybe you'd like to have covered, and uh, that's in the Bible at gmail.com, or you can call us at 716 and leave a message. Alright, any parting words?
3: Stay strong, stay faithful, keep serving the Lord.
1: Amen. Amen. Alright guys, see you next time, Lord, Lord well. one. Many,
0: many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound, trumpets will surely sound. All of our
2: dead shall rise.
0: Righteously in the skies. word bound Troubles will soon be o'er Happy forevermore When we meet on that shore Free from all care Rising up in the sky Telling this world fly, glory to share, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will will meet their doom, trumpets will will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in in the skies, going where no one one dies, heavenward bound. shall rise righteous
1: This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at that's dot com or email us at that's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at seven one six five eight four sixteen eleven. Again that's seven one six five eight four one six one one. As always, thanks for listening and press on.